Welcome back to Grease Jets, everybody. Today, I have Paulina Lykos. Paulina is an investing reporter covering the stock market, investing strategies, private markets, cryptocurrency, blockchain, emerging markets, among other topics. Prior to joining the journalism field, she was a credit risk manager at Fannie Mae, predicting and reducing credit risk for the company. Paulina joins me in a discussion to talk all about investing. We keep it simple so that everyone just starting out can learn about all the ways you can invest in your future. Nothing said in this episode should be taken as financial advice, as none of it is. This is strictly for educational purposes only. That being said, let's jump into this conversation with Paulina Lykos. Hey guys, before we jump into this episode, a quick note about our sponsor, Prosperity. Prosperity is quickly becoming the best way to buy and sell a property in Greece. I've met the team behind the project and let me tell you, they have built quite the experience. Search for your dream home in Greece, but do it all digitally. Find the home, tour it virtually, submit an offer, prepare the legal documents, and even apply for a mortgage, all on theprosperty.com. I myself am in the market for a home in Greece, and I will be using Prosperity all summer to make my decision by this fall as to where I will be moving to in Greece. All right, let's get back to Greece Chats. Hey, Paulina, how are you? Hey, Tony, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for joining me on the, on the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited for the conversation. Likewise, this, no, this should definitely be a fun one. Uh, before we jump into it, what, you want to take a minute and just kind of tell our listeners who you are, what you do, and what got you into what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Paulina Lykos. I'm an investing reporter, and I've been in investing journalism for the past year and a half. And I cover a variety of different investing topics, including the day-to-day stock market news, uh, also investing strategies, portfolio management, and I don't have a particular beat. So I cover a lot of stuff. I, I've been recently um, focusing on cryptocurrencies and blockchain, which has been exploding in popularity among not only millennial investors and Gen Z investors, but among a, a variety of different types of investors. I also focus on Uh, individual stocks and global stocks as well. And I I like to focus on another area of the market, which is the private markets. When we think about investing news, we think about the public markets, right? Like a publicly traded company like Facebook, Amazon, Google, Alphabet, etc. But there's another area of the market, and that's the private markets. So I think that's undercovered in, in the financial mainstream financial media. And that's an area that I've grown really interested in. Um, I also focus on a variety of other topics like ESG investing. And, um, and yeah, that, those are a few. I'm sure I'm missing some. But, but I, before I got into journalism, I was an analyst. I was a risk manager at Fannie Mae. So um, during my time there, I grew a lot of knowledge around the housing markets and the mortgage industry, and I carried over my analytical skills as a risk manager into the field of reporting, and I realized how important it is to make meaning out of numbers because they provide important context in the story. 
And, and I, and I guess the main takeaway from all of my articles is to distill this complex information that we hear about investing, which it doesn't have to be complicated. I think sometimes the finance world makes things complicated because they have certain acronyms or they make words sound too smart when in reality it's, it's really finance is something that we use on a daily basis. Right. So, so it's, it's really not that complicated. And the goal of all of my articles is to distill this quote unquote complex information into digestible, um, in a digestible way. Um, And I hope that people who read my articles are able to learn something new and apply that to their daily lives. Awesome. That's fantastic. Um, that was obviously a lot and obviously investing there is a lot, but as you said, into digestible pieces. So why don't we just try to digest everything you just threw at us? Um, and why don't we just take it? Like, let's take it from the top. What, what if we have a brand new investor looking to start out? What is, I don't want to say advice or tips, but what is the most sound way someone should start if they're starting from scratch? That's a great question. And if someone is, coming into the markets for the first time, it can be overwhelming. Where do I start? What is the first step? So I would say the first step is to figure out what your goal is when you're investing. A lot of people might want to jump in the markets immediately and start investing or trading stocks, which there's a lot of enthusiasm around that and it makes sense. But I think it's important to first look within. What are your goals as an investor? Is your goal to make a a quick buck? Do you want to trade or do you want to have a long-term investing mindset and invest for retirement? So I think that's number one. Number two is understand your risk tolerance. I think this is so important and I incorporate risk management in all of my articles. What does that mean? Assessing your risk means how much money are you willing to lose? I think the right mindset in going to the stock market is putting is realizing that the money that you put in, you could potentially lose. It's highly unlikely that you're going to lose all of your money, but you know we still have to keep in mind that there is a possibility. So if you invest $10,000, you have to say, am I willing to risk that money? If you're not, then that means your risk tolerance is you know, you have to adjust that according to your risk tolerance, right? So that's, that's another important thing to keep in mind. And uh, usually when you are kind of um, on the younger, uh, if you're younger, then your risk tolerance, you have a higher risk tolerance. So you're able to weather the day-to-day volatility in the stock market because, because the stock market, it goes up and down on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, But over time, that's supposed to level out. So as a younger investor, if there's a market downturn, you're able to recover because you're young. So you have time for your investment portfolio to recover from any downturn in the markets. Now, if you are nearing retirement, let's say maybe you're five or 10 years away, you might have less risk tolerance because your time in the market is not as much as a millennial and you might reduce your um, allocation towards riskier assets like stocks and allocate to a more 
um, to a, a less risky um, asset like bonds, for example. So, so it, it all depends on your time horizon, risk tolerance, and overall investing goals. Um, so all of that put together is your investing strategy. So before you jump into the stock market, it's important to identify where you are with those three things and put your investing strategy together. Now that might sound complicated, uh, but the way the investing landscape is, is today, um, technology is able to automate all of these things. So if you uh, are interested in getting started, today you can just download an investing app or a robo-advisor, put in some personal information, and the app will actually put an investing strategy for you together. So everything I just said, it does it for you. You don't have to really think about how to put an investing strategy together, which is pretty impressive because now anybody can start investing. You don't need to be a professional. You don't need to do too much research. Um, this technology has enabled people to jump into the stock market and start investing in the long term, which is great. That's amazing. What, my, what I want to jump to now is obviously that's the best way to approach it, but there's multiple markets, right? There's different, there's like you said, crypto is a new hot kid on uh, kid on the block. You've got the original stocks. There's other ways you can invest. You can invest in real estate. Can you tell me all the different types of investing that a beginner might want to consider? Yeah, definitely. So yes, there are so many different markets to consider, and I think it's it's important for individual investors to broaden their horizons beyond the traditional asset classes like stocks and bonds because. Nowadays, um, there are other investments that yield more returns than these traditional assets. So as you mentioned, cryptocurrency is one of them. Now, cryptocurrencies, there are thousands of cryptocurrencies out there. Of course, we're most familiar with Bitcoin because it has the largest market capitalization and it has the strongest fundamentals. So there is a lot of attention around that. However, uh, even though there's a lot of popularity, there's a lot of risk associated with cryptocurrencies. Um, what does that mean? Well, the value of, of Bitcoin, for example, it goes up and down on a daily basis. And investors in Bitcoin have to be comfortable with a 10% fall in Bitcoin's value. This can be this can be difficult for someone who is not comfortable with their money fluctuating that much. So again, it goes back to risk tolerance. Are you able to weather this volatility that is so frequent? If so, then uh, maybe cryptocurrencies are can, can be incorporated as part of your portfolio allocation. Uh, I've spoken to experts um, and I've asked them, how much should you allocate in your portfolio um, if, if you want to invest in Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies? And they said, because this asset is so volatile and risky, it would generally uh, people, again, according to your risk tolerance, but generally 
it's it's normal to allocate um, as little as 1%, as much as 5%. Of course, that varies amongst different investors, but it's usually a sliver of your portfolio. Again, because you don't know how much you're going to lose. Um, there are other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum. Um, and then there are, you know, the meme current <laughs> cryptocurrencies yeah. like Dogecoin, Shiba Inu, and all the other ones. Um, ultimately, you know, my take on crypto is that there are thousands of cryptocurrencies, as I said, and we really don't know which cryptocurrencies are going to last, which ones are going to wither away. I think that's going to, that's going to show as, as time moves on. Excellent. Uh, aside from crypto, you, can we dive into a few of the other markets? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I also cover the private markets that area is is huge and usually um, uh, retail investors have been kind of tapped out of that market because there are certain regulatory restrictions that they have those are being you know reassessed by regulatory authorities but usually if you want to invest in the private markets you need to be what's called an accredited investor or have a certain amount of net worth um, of course, uh, individual investors like you and me, we might not have that you know, capacity to do that, um, which doesn't allow us to access those opportunities. But as I said, this is changing. There are a lot of uh, equity crowdfunding platforms that are being uh, developed, and this allows people to access these investments like real estate and different types of commercial uh, real estate, like commercial real estate, residential real estate, um, you know, different uh, and, and different types of properties that range in size and value and so forth. And this is important because, um, as I mentioned earlier, these types of investments, they yield a lot more in some cases than traditional public market investments. Now, they do carry their own risk. But it's important for investors to keep in mind that with more risk comes more reward. And even though an, inve an investment is risky, uh, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't invest in it. Maybe you can adjust your investing strategy to have a, a little portion of your portfolio to these asset classes. But I think that diversifying into these different asset classes like cryptocurrency and uh, real estate or art is another one. Um, and startups is another uh, area to invest in, in the private markets, uh, venture capital. There are so many different areas of the private market and, and alternative investments that uh, investors can focus on. Sorry. Um, that, yeah, I think, it, I think it's important to see what other opportunities are out there because nowadays it's just not enough to have that 60-40 portfolio allocation, meaning 60% stocks, 40% bonds, because the landscape of the stock market right now, it's, it's just not yielding the returns that, um, that investors have been expecting um, so it's important to broaden your horizons and see what other investing opportunities are out there. Great. Um, so someone starting off, that's been the theme, who, the, 
we were starting off from scratch. Let's say someone's coming in, whether it's, I don't know, they can start off with a hundred dollars. They can start off with a thousand. They can start off with 10,000. That doesn't matter. My question is what is the best way to split that up? And in the stock market, is it safer to go with a, a name like an Apple or would you recommend going looking into like ETFs? That's a good question. So uh, um, it depends what type of investor do you want to be? Um, do you want to be a hands-on investor where you do heavy research, you have the time and willingness to uh, look and monitor at your portfolio, maybe on a weekly or a monthly basis and do your research and due diligence on your investments? Um, or are you the type of investor who is kind of passive where you put money in certain investments and you kind of do a dollar cost averaging strategy and then you kind of set it and forget it? So depending on which one you are, I would say that can kind of shape your investing strategy. Let's say you have $1,000. How do you go about allocating that in your investment portfolio? So if you um, want to take an aggressive investment strategy, you might allocate most of that $100 towards riskier assets like bond, uh, sorry, like stocks, for example. Um, stocks yield more than bonds. Um, uh, so stocks could be public equities, including Facebook or Amazon or Tesla, any of these publicly traded companies. Now, some of these companies are pretty expensive. Amazon um, I is definitely over $3,000. Um, so maybe you don't have $3,000 to invest in one share of Amazon. But the great thing is that you can invest in fractional shares. So if you want to put $500 towards Amazon, you can put as much as you can afford, which is great. Um, so, but it's it's important to diversify your investments. So part of that $1,000 should go to um, other asset classes that act as portfolio stabilizers and are uncorrelated, which is a, a, a vocabulary word, which I will explain, that are uncorrelated to to uh, stocks, for example. So you, you wanna have asset classes that are uncorrelated to one another in your portfolio, because if one asset class performs poorly, the other one may not perform as bad. So uncorrelation means one asset class does poorly, the other one does okay, good, or you know, not as poorly as the other asset classes that did poorly. So, so I, so that's part of your investing strategy, diversifying across different asset classes. Um, I would also say to focus on asset classes such as commodities, like gold, silver, agriculture, and so forth, um, because they fight what's called inflation. Inflation is over time, the um, prices increase and the value of the dollar decreases. So in order to beat inflation, you want to invest, um, invest in general, um, but there are certain asset classes that fight inflation. Gold is one of them. That is the traditional asset class to invest in to fight inflation. 
Um, there are, you know, there's arguments that Bitcoin is one asset to fight inflation, but there are a lot of opinions around that. So I think those are examples of some assets that you can invest your $1,000 or $5,000, whatever it is that you're interested in investing in. Um, I would just say the best piece of advice is to diversify and not put all of your $1,000 into one asset class. Because if that, if, you know, if a company goes bankrupt, which it's unlikely, but that's how you have to think, then you lose your money. So you want to diversify your $1,000 across different asset classes. Can you tell me a little bit more about ETFs? Yeah. So ETFs is, so if you don't want to invest in individual companies, um, which is more risky, um, then you can put your money into what's called exchange traded funds, ETFs. And ETFs are a basket of securities that have a variety of different um, uh, asset classes. And this is a natural way to diversify your investments. So instead of picking your own individual um, investments, you can purchase one ETF that has a variety of different uh, companies in, in that just one investment vehicle, which makes it a lot easier for you to monitor your investments. And again, goes to that passive um, passive approach to investing. So if instead of you know, you're, you're investing in Amazon and you're the type of investor who pays attention to each of their earnings reports. And, you know, if, if Amazon didn't perform well one quarter, you're kind of readjusting your strategy. Oh, maybe I'm not going to buy as many shares this month or whatever your outlook is on that particular company. But with, with an ETF, you, you don't really have to worry about how one particular company performs because you have thousands, hundreds or thousands of companies into one investment vehicle. So you're, you're not really worried if one company does poorly on one particular quarter because you know that there's hundreds of other companies that are bound to perform well. So ETFs are great investment vehicles for any type of investor. So is an ETF, a way, a way to look at an ETF, is it basically a company that's holding these assets and now under one umbrella and now that company has its value? So um, there are ETF providers, um, for example, um, you know, the leg uh, legacy companies like Charles Schwab or JP Morgan Chase, BlackRock, iShares, all of these uh, fund providers, they they put the ETFs together and they choose different companies to put into the ETF. And they usually follow what's called a benchmark. Um, some of the major benchmarks are the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, um, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Those are the three main US indexes. And and uh, a, a lot of the major ETFs that uh, investors tend to purchase uh, follow these benchmarks. Um, and it's just a, a simplified way of investing. So, um, you know, there's Vanguard, Fidelity, a few others that I mentioned. So uh, that, that requires 
individual research that the investor needs to do to see what type of ETF they want to purchase. And it's really easy to do that. You can go on the fund's website and see what companies are in that ETF. And if, if, you're, if you like how the ETF is composed, then maybe that's an investment um, that you might want to consider. Um, so there are a lot of different providers. It's just a matter of what best fits your investing strategy and preferences. Interesting. So on a fundamental level now, why, do why should people be investing? People should be investing because standard of living in the future is going to increase. The, the value of a dollar today is going to be um, less than, than in the future. So in, that is called inflation. So in order to beat that, you need to invest. So I think inflation increases by 1.3% um, on an annual basis. So that means your money needs to return a minimum of 1.3% in order to maintain its value. But when you invest, the average, I think the av average annual stock market returns are from seven to 10%. And, and, you know, you do that number one, in order to, you know, uh, your money needs to work for you. So it, it beats inflation, right? Um, and number two, you need to have money for retirement because there's going to be a point in time where we're not going to be able to work anymore, but we are still going to have expenses. So we need to make our money needs to work for us. And that's what investing is. Even in retirement, you continue to invest and your money is um, able to work for you. As you get older, of course, you adjust your um, uh, investing strategy so you don't have too much risk when you're investing in the stock market. Um, you can uh, invest for your future education. So uh, there are uh, many investment vehicles that parents can use for their uh, young children um, for, you know, five, uh, 529 as an example, if they want to invest for their um, uh, children's college in the future, they can start at birth, you know, their children at birth. There are what's called custodial accounts, uh, where the parent is the guarantor, it's called, but they invest for their child. Um, at the age of 18, the, uh, that account goes to the child and they're the guarantor, they have full control, but um, it, it's important to, to start investing at a young age because when you are young, you have the power of compounding your money. So if you start investing at 18, for example, um, versus starting at 30 or even older, by the time uh, you know you reach age of retirement, you're going to have more money if you started at 18 than if you started at 30. But that's not too much of an issue because even if you do start at 30 or later, you still have um, time to catch up. It's just a matter of what your savings rate is going to be and how much you're able to invest. So those are some of the reasons why it's important to invest. So how can someone educate themselves, someone who may have grown up in a family that wasn't 
financially savvy or literate, how can this person make that pivot and, and grow and learn more about this and become more financially literate? So I think technology has played a very important role in what's, what people have coined as democratizing investing. So um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, there, because of technology, technology and the world of finance have merged together. So as a result, there has been a lot of fintech innovations that have come out of this space. And as a result, there's been a proliferation of robo-advisors. So instead of going to a financial advisor where they actually pay higher fees than a robo-advisor, all you need to do now is get your iPhone, download, you know, Betterment, Wealthfront, Robinhood, whatever investing app you prefer, put in some of your personal information, and you automatically have an investing strategy and you're able to invest for the long term for your retirement. So um, it's, it, it's great in the sense that it kind of handholds you through the investing process. And it becomes part of your daily life because we are always on our phones, right? So uh, we have investing now on demand. And this is great because it gives you uh, an opportunity to learn about investing um, in a very easy way because you always have it in front of you. You just open the app and um, the way these robo-advisors are formed is they have a lot of different learning features. They have a news feature where you can see what's going on in the news and then analyze how the news is impacting your investments. And as you interact with the markets, it's just a natural way of learning. And this is something that our parents didn't have. Um, our, so many of our you know, previous generations, they didn't have savvy technology. They are not, they weren't really sure really what investing was and, and how to how, how to make your money work for you. But uh, technology has really changed that. So anybody that has uh, access to Wi-Fi and has a smartphone is able to participate in the markets and start building wealth. So technology has definitely changed the game uh, for the better, but is there a chance that technology has made it so easy that we saw in March of 2020 when everyone was stuck at home and everyone downloaded Robinhood probably on the same day and everyone was buying Dogecoin, AMCs and GameStops. Um, without the education, are they, or forget the education or today's youth, are they gambling or are they investing? Very, very good question. And so I think the pandemic uh, was changed really the way we do life, right. <laughs> quite frankly. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, as a result of the pandemic, everybody was working from home and we had to heavily rely on technology in order to work, interact and pretty much do everything. And uh, uh, investing was no different. Um, uh, because of the pandemic, we went into a technical recession and the economy shut down. So the, um, you know, the government had to step in to kind of uh, assist that. Um, so what happened was there were stimulus checks 
that were distributed to every to Americans. And um, a lot of that that those stimulus checks found their way into the stock market. So people had extra money and they were, you know, they didn't want to keep it in the bank. So they decided to invest in stocks. Now, uh, a lot of these uh, people, they were new market participants. They had really no idea as to what investing is, how to invest, what company they want to invest, wanted to invest in. They just saw that you know, they had extra money and that their friends and family were getting into the stock market, people were making money, and they also wanted to make money. So there are risks with this. But I spoke to experts and I asked them, you know, what are the consequences of, of, uh, of this? And I actually addressed the same question you did. Is this gambling? Is this going to be an issue for uh, new market participants as they you know, try to build wealth in the future. And they said, while this creates some risky market activity, especially with the, the meme stock frenzy that happened earlier in 2021, it's, it's going to have net positive effects in the long run because this introduces new people into the stock market. That means they are learning how, how the economy works, how the stock market works, how to make their money work for them ultimately. They're, even though they go into speculative investments, uh, as they interact with the market, as they learn how the stock market works over time, they start to develop sound investing strategies. So they'll diversify into other asset classes as we talked about earlier. They will learn what investments work for them, what investments don't work for them. And over time, they are going to have that long-term investing mindset for retirement in mind. So, so while you know this type of activity introduces people to the stock market and they might invest in risky and speculative trades over time, um, people are responsible with how they uh, invest their money. Okay. So I guess we're looking at it as they may make their mistakes now, but they're learning and down the road, they're going to learn from those early on mistakes and become great investors. Yes. Yes. And well, yes, that's the hope. I mean, there's a range of, there's a range of activity, right? So of course there's going to be some portion of those investors who are going to continue to take risky bets um, they're going to trade and have a short-term mindset on making a quick buck, but um, there's there's going to be other investors who are going to um, want to mon- you know monitor their risk and mitigate their risk, and because they don't want to lose a lot of money, they don't have the ability to do that. So they're going to develop an investing strategy that benefits them for the long run. Great. All right. So we're going to go back to. Uh... This one more question, and I'm sure it's what everyone wants to know right now is, should everyone be buying Bitcoin <laughs> or should you be investing in Bitcoin? Yes, that's, 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 a, that's a good question. And I know it's on top of everyone's minds. And if you think about the saga of Bitcoin, it's pretty fascinating because uh, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but 10 years ago, virtually cryptocurrency was non-existent. 
But now the the market capitalization of cryptocurrency is over two trillion dollars, and that's only ten years later, and that's such a short amount of time. I don't think that's happened in any other asset class in history. And you have this whole community that's been built around Bitcoin, where people are, you know, um, they're they're so enthusiastic about Bitcoin, and also they are. Uh, excited about the technology that supports it, which is blockchain. And while I can't tell anybody to invest in Bitcoin or not, I think that what Bitcoin has going for it is blockchain, because that technology is so transformative. I think it's going to really change a bunch of different industries because there are many uses for blockchain. It creates efficiency throughout um, so many different applications. The issue with Bitcoin is that it's still in it's still in its nascency. So people are not really sure what the future of Bitcoin looks like. There's no utility for it. You can't go to the supermarket and buy things with Bitcoin. And people are hesitant. Some people are hesitant to invest in it because the price changes on a daily basis so dramatically. Right. So there, there are issues associated with that. On top of that, there's a lack, there's not, even regulators are not really sure what to do with Bitcoin. So that's why there has been a lack of regulation around that. So I think what the the picture of Bitcoin is, be, is going to become more clear once there's more regulation around it, because then we're mm-hmm. going to know how, how to view it and how to respond to it. But again, we, we don't really know what the fate of Bitcoin is going to be. There are over yep. 10,000 cryptocurrencies out there. So we don't right. know if Bitcoin is going to be a winner or a loser. Um, mm-hmm. So there's just a lot going on there. Amazing. Awesome. This has been super informative. Um, you, can you tell our listeners where they can find you and learn more? Yeah, you can follow me at paulina.lycos on Instagram. And I I post a lot of uh, fun investing content and I'd love to interact and speak with you guys. Um, so feel free to follow me there. Great. And is, is there a website we can check out? Yeah, you can go on my personal website, paulinalycos.com, and I post interviews, articles that I write, and a blog where I give an update on what's been going on in the stock market on a monthly basis. Great. And if there's anything else that I've left out that you do want our listeners to know, I mean, I can, the platform is yours. Thank you very much. I think, yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. I think uh, the the main thing is I, I love to interact with people. So if you have any questions, um, uh, I would love to, you know, answer your questions and, and you know, uh, speak with you. I, I love hearing what people have, have to say and think um, it, it's really, really exciting and fun. Great. Definitely check out her website, follow her on Instagram and all her social medias. And can you give me the website one more time? Yeah, paulinalycos.com. There you have it, guys, paulinalycos.com. Thank you, for Paulina, coming on. Like I said, super informative. I hope someone can take this episode and learn a lot from it to at least get started and understand what's out there, all the opportunities, the possibilities, and 
and not get stuck into just some uh, some gambling tactics and to really make your investment portfolio sound and uh, secure as possible. Thank you again. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Tony. Thanks everyone for listening to Grease Chats and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, learned something new or were inspired, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to check out The Prosperity for all your real estate needs in Greece. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.